everyone. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 608, being recorded on December 16, 2020. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Howard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Brad Vance Brunberg. There you go. Uh, <laughs> if you want to be alerted, when we go live and then eventually start the show 10 to 20 minutes I want later, to be uh, <laughs> Go to pcpro.com slash subscribe. Ack, 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 this is ack. the only thing that we use that list for. And uh, you can support whatever is happening uh, right now at patreon.com slash pcper. Uh, because this is art as I say most weeks and you need to, you know, it's, it's a way to support the arts and we have some people to thank. Don't we, Brett? Two new patrons. One, I think I mentioned late last week. They were a late joiner actually on the day we were doing the podcast. It's surprising. We talk about it and actually people sign up to Patreon while we're on the air. Uh, and if you do sign up to Patreon, I'll definitely, uh, you know, interrupt whatever anybody's saying and just jump right in and just stomp all over them and just say, Hey, New patron, I'll definitely do that. Or if you change your name, and I notice that I get an email, I'll, I'll read that out if it's readable. Is there some of them that aren't? Yeah, some of them are. Maximum one hundred times per podcast. Yes, uh, no more than one hundred times will I interrupt this show for an important message. Uh, but two new patrons, and that's uh, I hope I pronounced this name right. Hosam Wali, or Hosam Wali, and James uh, Peterson. Excuse my. My uh, Americanizing. Oh, Jim. Actually, I don't know. James. <laughs> James. Jim. James. Yeah, Jim. Yep, James Patterson. So thank you, guys. Appreciate the support very much. Thank you. And, uh, and you know, yes. I apologize. I feel like that's only appropriate. Yeah. The second thing we do after the intro every week is to Number two, my lord. Number seamlessly two. Seamlessly transition as I wait for Josh to finish his beverage. Camera two. Josh, you're in camera two. Josh, he's going to disappoint us. Josh, do we have a burger update or any kind of update from your world? So I did have a burger today. It was the popper, but I've shown that multiple times before. That's the, you know, like a jalapeno popper burger. So double patties, regular bun, uh, cream cheese, a raspberry chipotle and covered with jalapenos. So it's Mm. quite tasty. Uh, sadly, when I was trying to drive east out of town, uh, I encountered this sign. Josh, that seems unusual. So I had to stop and turn around because Mm -hmm. my car is only. Did you have to stop or turn around, or did the wind do that for you? (laughs) Josh, I'm sorry. What is your What is your car rated for again? It two twenty, two twenty, two twenty five, whatever. But I got to go straight into the wind. And I'll tell you, <laughs> it was uh, it was pushing me backwards, but I was getting so much downforce. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and that's important Such when you're grip. on the, uh, yeah. the open range. So was that accurate? Was it actually gusting that fast on the mountain? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Though in I've... Yellowstone, when I was growing up, probably it was about 16, 17, they had a windstorm that clocked in at 117 miles an hour and it just blew down a tremendous amount of pine trees oh yeah 
Yeah, it was a lot, but yeah, three fifty five was you know it's another another you know light breeze and layer of dice. <sighs> you know, I, mm-hmm. hey, before we start getting away from the weather, right now we're having like an ice storm here, and all the trees are doing the the droopiness outside right now. Oh. So if I lose power, it's because I got ice stormed, and you know. Went what dark. kind of trees are these? Are these like palm trees in your beachfront no, property right next trees. to the micro center? Um, we can. We're, that's in the podcast. We're going to talk about I saw, my. I saw making fun of Brett year. in the podcast. I didn't show notes. You know what? I didn't use my name. Moving on to our first story, um, Jeremy posted news about the the new support in Vulcan for ray tracing. You can get it right now. I think it was the driver update of a day or two ago. Yesterday for NVIDIA. Yes. Yeah. And the latest one for AMD also includes it. It does now. I, Indeed. I've heard some and, things. And, yeah. and Quake 2 RTX is now Quake 2 Vulcan ray tracing. Yep. And we'll switch back How and cool forth. Is that? Yeah. That's the neat part. I need to get that, that up is, and running here. This is embarrassing. Who I was know, I've been, was it you, Jeremy? Who was playing that? I was playing it last night. Yeah. I I could get a solid 45, 50 frames a second on my 1080. Yeah, but you're on a 1080 and somebody accused you of that not being enough. It's not. That's why I didn't actually bother with the first go around because I knew it would be like original crisis slideshow quality. Even with the dynamic resolution, which is what I was going with, except going down, not up. But with this, you know, flapping back and forth, I mean... Honestly, when I switched over to the RTX as opposed to OpenGL, it was more like huge hit on performance, of course, but also, you know, you noticed it more um, with RTX as opposed to OpenGL, although OpenGL was still visible. So, you know, it's five bucks to buy the whole game or you get the first three levels, which will probably be enough for you because, good lord, this thing's old, uh, for free. Just pop over to Steam so what, and what, away you go. What, what, what did you think of... of- the ray trace, the fully path traced version that you played, or so, was it? Yes. Do you have some? Well, I mean, shots? it's. I didn't think of that. I you really weren't thinking ahead, were you? With your 1080. <sighs> it had been raining in my kitchen earlier that day, and oh. so I'd actually drunk about a half bottle of gin by the time I decided to, after mopping up everything and getting the kittens out and washing them and such. So no, I wasn't really thinking. I was Common thinking. problem, actually. So this but is anyway, yeah, you're sadly in the sense of, of, of seeing the ray tracing in Quake 2. I mean, you have fond memories of Quake 2 back in 1997, yep. 98. So this is not... What do you think? Is this the, the same project or is this the version that's available in like Steam? So this is not yeah, the there's Path a, Trace Quake 2 project. Yeah. So honestly, no, this is the RTX Quake 2 from okay. yeah. from Nvidia. So let's make that you know, very clear. I'm wandering around and then <laughs> using the the basic gun because it makes nice glowy path along as you're shooting. And I'm thinking, you know, for Quake 2, this is absolutely brilliant. I would have lost my mind back when I was a kid playing this. But I'm also thinking, you know, any modern game engines can replicate the same sort of lighting effects without using ray tracing and so i'm biddling around and just enjoying it sort of i'm, so, I'm then, sorry it, it, heretic did i did i just hear that okay we'll talk about that later what the, oh, the game heretic 
Okay, hold on. No, no. I meant saying that, it, you know what? You could have just done this without RTX. It could have just been- Well, you no couldn't have in Quake 2. But it didn't exist. Like, there was no way to fake it back then. With okay. this, those lighting effects were. And then, you know, I, I realized that it was, there was something weird on one of the panels that you're supposed to push. And I walk up and I realize, wait a second. I can see myself. I can see the entire room behind it. So it okay, snuck that, up. I cool. didn't notice cool. it until suddenly it caught me up my corner of my eye as this looks wrong and realized and walked up to it that, okay, the reflective no, surfaces it looks are nice. Right. And then I started playing with the water. And so I ended up just sort of, well, I also tried to jump for about 10 minutes before I gave up on it and realized that, yeah, okay, this does look a lot nicer. And it's not something that could be done without ray tracing, without looking incredibly stupidly cheesy. And of course, since the first level doesn't have huge amounts of lights on it, uh, you didn't get so much uh, reflection off of the shotgun barrel and that like looks absolutely gorgeous. Occasionally I did, usually because I was getting shot by something. So yes and no. I didn't really notice it until something caught my eye and then I started to notice it a bit more. I know it's the the effect is so subtle. You're running around like that looks pretty nice, and then it's like there's something that just hits you, and it's like I've never seen that in the game before. That's yeah, that's kind of unique. And then yeah, it's it's you notice a lot of the little things, and of course you know with the more frenetic a game is, the less you notice the graphics. Yeah, in certain games, if it's just ray trace shadows or ray trace reflections, I find it hard to tell sometimes, but. When it's the entire thing, like fully path traced games to me, like this, these are the best example. Because this, I mean, it, it looks like a totally different game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've got highlights, you've got, you know, the the, the shadows are, are actually yeah, the shadows. looking shadows. Yeah, the, sh the shadows are a big deal, the, the lighting itself, but I look, I don't want to just the have to look at the gun barrel to see, oh, yeah, yeah that's just, like Ray Fraser's well, the barrel. Quality. There's a quality of the lighting that is, is okay. Remember when Half-Life 2 came out? And of course, there's a perfect had, example right there. We'd had Doom 3 come out and, you know, Carmack was was raving about, you know, we, we, we did the lighting and how things are, are done and the shadows are accurate and blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly Half-Life 2 came out and just the quality of the lighting of it was, even though it was all pre-baked in there, I mean, it looked so much better. It was immersive. It was... I mean, it was very natural looking as compared to, you know, the the really hard shadows in Doom 3. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was, it, and this is that same kind of jump when you have a mm -hmm. fully path traced game and you're experiencing it for the first time and you're like, okay, at first I wasn't impressed, but then I started moving around. I started to do this, I did that. And then some, some dynamic things happened around me and it like blew my mind because it was really cool. That's that's the best way I can explain it. Yeah. I mean, it's got me to the point where regardless of I, I probably whatever will come up first for availability, a 3080 or a 6800. At this point, you know, I'm not absolutely desperately in love with ray tracing, but I'd like to experience it more and find out if I am going to be. Uh, and since they're, they're, they're pretty equivalent pricing up here in Canada, I'm before I was playing around with this, I was solidly, no, I, I want to try the Infinity Cache. I want the 6800 XT. Now it's like, you know what? If suddenly a 3080 is available and the 6800 XTs aren't, I might say screw it and get it. 
just to try it. I pick up uh, Cyberpunk and, you know, just sort of wander around and stare at stuff. Yeah, there's the you get a thirty to forty percent increase in performance using NVIDIA, and then that increases dramatically when you start using DLSS. And I mean that's that's just a one two punch uh, for any of these DXR games that are coming out, whether it's Watch Dogs, um, I don't know what else. There. Cyberpunk is RTX. Cyberpunk is RTX. You can't. Well, you can't Cyberpunk the... Punk is DXR, I believe, but currently exclusive to Nvidia. Yeah, yeah. But so. you can turn it on in AMD. You just have to it, alter some I, I things. You could. Not going to work, but you can turn it on. Yeah, you can turn it on. You can. Anyhow, here's the concerning thing, and I don't think this is on our rundown, but I saw this the other day. This is um. PC Gamer, and they did a little comparison of the 6800 XT versus the 3080 in Vulcan ray tracing tests. And Wait, so you mean dedicated hardware is working yeah. better than... Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, AMD well, said they had dedicated AMD, hardware, kind of. Well, they do, it's but... Sort of, it's sort of mostly I, dedicated hardware. I heard a rumor it was uh, re, repurposed shaders. What do you think about that? Is that it, it's in a true? relationship, but it's not sure it's fully dedicated yet. You, what you're saying is that a certain portion of each core is dedicated to ray tracing, but it's essentially a shader core that's been pre-reserved. You know, it's it's almost I, like a specific. Okay, uh, this is probably, let's let's talk architecture, Josh. Let's go. Hit us. Hit us. Probably wrong. Camera two. But it's almost like it's a specific dispatch unit in the shader core with all those vector units, and it modifies the instructions that all these vector units work on to give back some ray tracing ability, but it's not as single purpose as the NVIDIA RTX units that they have in there. Does that so make any chip sense? Context. I mean, I, I barely know. I barely know anything about switch. this because AMD doesn't want to talk about it, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a piece of hardware, but essentially it's kind of software because yes, it's optimizing the workload to run on the vector units that they already have rather than it just being mm-hmm. a separate piece. Because the engineers have said in the background, it's like, yeah, it's essentially software-based. But it's it's an optimized software-based. And so it's, it's in there in the pipeline, and it works like it's supposed to, but it's not dedicated like RTX stuff. Well, you can clearly see it in the graphs. There's my huh? just showed. I mean, it's a, it's a lift. It's a boost. It is, but it really doesn't get you much more than halfway there. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, nice try. It it just looks like Better. last year's charts of you know when they enabled Pascal, and you could do mm-hmm. ray tracing oh, on the shader yeah. cores, like like 1080 Ti there. Yeah, like 1080 yeah. Ti was not even. Was it up to a, th- a 2060? I can't remember. Oh but God, it, I no. think you're about right. I thought I thought it was. I think it was so less. What well, really? Mm. So this is like running a 6800 XT is like running a 2080 Ti level for ray tracing. But of course, they've the 30 series was a huge improvement for overall performance. And, yeah, and I still mm-hmm. I still think that the 2000 series will still be better overall than 
the yeah. 6800 6800 I should do some but yeah, not by much yeah. but it's it's getting there but it's just you that know would be, software and that software would be an support mark actually I think you're right yeah. how, how much can they improve how much can AMD improve by just optimizing drivers for specific titles mm-hmm. cuz it's software 5 to 10% you think yeah. so yeah because it's I not, mean it's just I mean it is it is a very specific workload and when you're taking when you're taking all those vector units and and applying it to this this workload, you're taking away from other shading capabilities. Because let me tell you, the workload is is heavy. I mean, it's it's just you're shooting rays, shooting rays, computationally intense bounces. How many bounces you you program in, materials, all of that stuff. You're, you're taking away computational resources from other shading work. We we just and need dedicated ray tracing hardware, like the PhysX card. We need a ray tracing card. <laughs> and that's that's what that's what NVIDIA has. Their I know. RTX ray and, tracing units are, and that's why their chips are so huge. And as you they know, Josh. Stuff, not, only, not only RTX, but, but they got Tensor stuff in there as well. And so you... you no. I mean, it is. It is. Nvidia's got the full meal deal, and let me tell you, that's a not a popular not opinion right now on social media. Josh, for, what? It's not popular to be praising them and their technologies right now. Well, I was. You to be I careful. Was, that's funny. I was going to talk about that. Yeah, because, let's talk about it. Yeah, they, they are making waves. <laughs> that's up later between... this, this podcast. Let's talk about. Uh, Get me back uh, on track. Let's talk about another train wreck. Speaking of tracks, let's talk about what what has happened so far. With uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Hey, Trainwreck is Apparently pretty strong. There's too many dildos. D- uh, dildo apparently. is another word. Well, I, I, I dare not click on odd discoveries in if you're talking about yes, that. That would be the too many <laughs> okay. dildos. All right. Apparently yeah, you click on that one. Excellent. There are an uncomfortable <laughs> amount of dildos for some people in this game. Uh, um, oh, great. I'll just accept all cookies. I, hey, hey, Jeremy, that was a random, random gifting. Random find. That's what they. That's what they said. It's just part of the loot boxing. I don't mean yep. it in the. Well, EA except friends. for the one that you can uh, equip, like Saint Rose, Saints Row, apparently. Which okay, yeah. There's worse. that. It's, there's one that you can equip as a weapon. I did read that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I from what I've read, it's like there's a lot of clipping going on. A lot of cars that shouldn't be floating that that can. Right. Float we could show of one of the the, objects. the clip shows of various glitches in action. But yeah, that's pretty good. I think the biggest issue is going to be um, reliability. Like, is the game crashing and uh, performance issues? I hear it's pretty on fun consoles. on last generation uh, consoles. Yeah, th- exactly. That's Josh. the big one right there. Right. Yeah. Bad enough that they were urging people to seek refunds if they could. And of course, that's not always going to be possible when you've already hey, been playing the game for a number of hours. Rewind this a little bit. They okay. delayed it. Five weeks, six weeks. That's not oh, enough. We're gonna get. So we're gonna get. Well, that was the excuse, right? About yeah. a month or so ago. Well, we're I mean, gonna get last gen console all squared up. People. Well, maybe it wasn't yeah, even running people. before. I mean, I don't know. we don't know what <laughs> yeah, state it was point. in two months ago. That's a, that's a good point. But you, you give developers twenty-hour days, seven days a week for five weeks, and they can get it releasable. Who needs sleep? You know, I, I okay. Here's here's here. Here's my impression, and I'm willing to give these guys a bit of a break, not because they're paying us or anything like that. It's this was an adventurous title. It was yeah. complex, uh, ambitious, whatever you say. 
and that's going to, I mean, you're going to be paying a price for these, uh, especially if they're trying to hit the holiday season and you know it's going to come out in a very unoptimized form. There are going to be bugs. You're going to pay the price for it, admittance. And I think people have looked at No Man's Sky as what a developer should do. Yes, the released product, it was not in a finished state when they did it, but they kept adding to it. People kept buying it. They continued to add to it. People would buy it. They'd start playing it again. Word of mouth, more people would buy in because the developers support it. They added features, added to the story. They fixed all the big problems, and now No Man's Sky is 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 a really neat title. And I think that we're going to start seeing some of this stuff with other developers. You know, maybe not CD Projekt, but they have a pretty good they have a pretty good track record. I mean, remember the Witcher one when originally released was again oh. very ambitious buggy whatever but then they kept patching patching it and then they released an enhanced edition that was free for people who had bought it and it just raised the level up so that you know uh, video card oems would would buy big lots of witcher enhanced edition to to bundle with their video cards because Mm -hmm. you know it had a lot of extras in there it had you know tessellation it had Oh, what was that thing where you had many, many, many like people running on the screen at the same time uh, or, you know, like Asteroid. I can't remember the demo was called, but it was uh, it was an instancing thing where they had individual objects. But because they were able to kind of instance them in, they could have, you know, thousands of them and it would hardly impact performance. I can't remember the damn name. I mean, ATI had a demo of of guys yeah, running down a hill. Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck on uh, the Total War way of doing it. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, also amazing. But, but yeah, it's the same thing. But but, um, I, but I mean, they're taking heat because they did release an unfinished product and they did it before the holiday season. And there's going to be people who play it and hit something, and they're going to be so pissed off they're going to get a refund. But I mean, they came out and said, "Hey, we've got a major update in a couple of days. We've got one." Uh, within January, that's going to be a major update. And we've got another in February that is going to be another major update where a lot of things are going to be improved. We're going to add a few <laughs> things, extra things to it. And, and and they really need to do that. And they need to show that they are dedicated to this title other than just like throwing it out. It's like, hey, we're on to the next project. We'll fix maybe a few major bugs, but you know, you're kind of on your own. But that's... That's just not the way it works because I haven't bought the damn thing yet and I'm waiting for it. In fact, I'm still waiting to play Witcher 3. Uh, don't worry, you'll enjoy the bugs in Witcher 3. Oh, thanks. I I did yeah. read a rumor. No, that I, I can't. Giving... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, Josh, I can't agree more with you. Like, I didn't go out and buy it because I knew damn well this was pushed at the very end because artificial deadline. We need to get it out for the Christmas season so that people can play it on the brand new hardware. They're not going to be able to have, or, you know, on, on old hardware, it it was obvious. This was coming. It's obvious to anyone who's been a long-term gamer and sort of follows the, the behind the scenes of the industry that, yeah, it was going to be a problem, but 
there are plenty of people that love it. And the, the thing that I would pull out was Skyrim. Skyrim is still buggy as hell, even unmodded. You step on the wrong rock and you end up in orbit. Uh, you try and keep one of those NPCs alive as it pathfinds itself into the trap to avoid the other trap that into you oblivion, didn't want right? Them to, That's right? the wrong game. Yeah, well, <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, bugs in games are not, are not a huge problem. But you've got to have, you've got to understand walking into it that this was an insane project. Uh, CD Projekt Red tends to love to do this. They make a huge freaking world and they let you wander around in it and do whatever the heck you want. And if you wander into a place you shouldn't be, well, you're going to die horrible, horrible times over and over and over again. And in a way, and I, again, haven't played it yet, but just reading the reviews and ignoring the ones that just immediately start screaming and yelling about how it's the floating car in their entire life. This reminds me of like games like boiling point or uh, stalker or some of the other ones that just, when they came out, there was like a layer of 18 different systems on top of each other. And if one little bit broke, they just went and fell in very strange and interesting ways, but eventually got better as they sort of fixed stuff. Cause I mean, I don't know if you remember, they released the original Stalker source code, which had vehicles in it. it. It had floating aliens in it. It had teleportation skills. It was utter insanity. And at some point they realized that there's no way in hell that this is going to ever going to be ready to release without, you know, years and years of work. So they did the same thing. Well, we're up to a bunch of the shit out, but we'll leave in uh, weapon durability because, you know, people are used to that and various other systems in it, or like, every single bonus you pick up, is going to have a negative and people hated that, but it was what they were trying to build. So I think given time, it's going to become fun. And, you know, I'm with you, Josh, I really, really hope that CD project red sticks with this for a while, even to the point of an enhanced edition, which they've got a history of doing. And it's going to be a lot more interesting once it ages. Hmm? They could, yeah, there's plenty of stuff they could do. I'm sure it'll be, that's true. The, the funny thing to me is that... Maybe they can implement bump mapping. EMBM. <laughs> well, they certainly Brett, need you were going to talk cars. about the refund situation. Normal maps. I know that I read that good luck getting it from Sony, right? You know, if they bought direct, then they're, they're stonewalling them. They're saying talk to the hand on that situation. You know, I don't... Those people are stuck. Basically, the, the word out of the company, especially during the last call, was um, where they had a, I'm not sure whether it was a, an earnings call or, or whether it was just a, a regular, an, off, um, an off-topic meeting. They were talking about, it's going to be so good when these people who are on fourth gen upgrade to essentially the next gen console. And I think the response was, you can't buy the next gen console. What are you people talking about? Yes, that sounds nice. Write it down. It looks great in writing. It's just not realistic right now. Even if these people wanted to, they couldn't upgrade. And you promised them an experience that they can't get. In fact, you delayed the game saying that fourth-gen people or, or the people on last-gen console were going to get a reasonable experience. They don't have it. They're pissed off. You don't C- think come 17 on, to 23 Jaguar course second forever is uh, Jaguar. No, you're right about Jaguar. that. Jaguar. I'm going to go plug in my Atari. Atari Jaguar. No. Okay. No, no, no. Right. I mean, the, the cell PC architecture PC could have handled this. Oh. Jack, that Jack. No, oh, Jack. no, 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 Jeremy, <laughs> we're, we're going to go on. I'm going to, I'm going to travel up to Vancouver and 
beat the living crap out of you. <laughs> I deserve <laughs> it for that. Cell architect. <laughs> yeah, no, no, your your SPUs are not up to the task. Damn it! I have started playing the game. I will say that I got. I got to say, okay, going back in time, if I'm interrupt you. Yeah. So there was this uh, individual, and this was many, many years ago. This was when hmm, was it the PS2 or PS3? Depends where you're going. Was it PS3? Because that had the NVIDIA graphics in there, right? Yes. Yeah. So a guy broke me and he's like, do you think NVIDIA will want to go back to the PC when they've tasted from the fire hose that is the cell architecture with the SPUs? And it's like, I think you're a little too far up Sony's to be asking this question because it's just, these are just accelerators in there that do certain things. And not only that, but the way the cell architecture was architected, you could only use like two SPUs at the time without being memory constrained. But anyway, yeah, that's just the, I'm sorry. I went off on, they should have paired it with HBM. Yeah, they, they, well, there was a lot of problems (laughs) with cell processor with SPUs and it was not good. Yes. There's a reason they didn't stick with it without. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, yeah, there, there are people who are very uh, enthusiastic about hardware that Sony releases. But yeah, Jaguar cores, they don't seem to be up to the... Right. I mean, there's, what, eight of them? It's the same number oh. of cores in both, right? In the PS4 yeah. and the Xbox yeah, but, One, but GPUs are different. Well, memory is different. Well, it's a, okay, but yeah. we've got hyper-threading on, on uh, the Zen cores in the next generation so oh, or did they work with that? the game that's the I other thing remember. we didn't i think yeah, yes do something SMT weird where sometimes it's smt and sometimes it ain't yeah i think you're right yeah. but it depends on the workload and and anyway yeah. look yeah, all you need is either hardware you can't buy to play it on pc or a next-gen console you can't buy to have a better better console experience that was my point. you are correct sir so but here's the thing my point was before I was so rudely interrupted by Josh. Sorry. Uh, they had already made their money back on pre-sales. They'd brag- this is like they're, they were so proud of this. Yeah. Like Development costs were paid. Was it the biggest dollars? or just one of the biggest? I don't know. It seems like the biggest. Yeah, no, Star Citizen, I think, is still the biggest. That's not even really a pre-order anymore. No, that's is not that is the game. What <laughs> no. you're playing is the game. It's all no. it's ever going to be. Yeah. Josh, was, was this the biggest one or was it just... Like the second, no, I mean, the pre sales, it was it was half a billion dollars worth of games yeah. sold. I mean, Star Citizen, uh, I think when they first opened up beta, I mean, it was insane. <laughs> it was like 130 million dollars that they got for that, but it was not, it was not this. I mean, now Star Citizen has, has now made like a billion dollars, something like that, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when when, when you've taken the, the seven years of by it's the, the way. seven years of development that Star Citizen <laughs> has had, and, and you've still got a somewhat playable game that they reset all the time, and sometimes you lose ships, and sometimes you don't. But, Is it a game? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but no, CD Projekt Red getting half a billion dollars from pre-sales. Yeah, yeah well, they're I doing mean, okay, give or take, because they've got other partners and and you know publishers <clears> and stuff that they got to pay to. But half a billion dollars, five hundred and some odd million. That's just 
That's insane. That's an insane amount of money. I mean, they, I mean, they're a developer. They're 150, 200 people. Half a billion dollars. I don't know. That is true. Maybe hey, more. Maybe 500, but still. Let's pause. Let's pause here. Pump the brakes, Josh. Let's pause here to hear from our first sponsor tonight, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Some things about the holiday season never change, even when everything around us is. So when your small business needs to ramp up for the new year, LinkedIn Jobs is ready to help. Because LinkedIn Jobs matches your open roles with qualified candidates, which means you can find the right person for your business fast. The LinkedIn Jobs platform makes it so easy for job seekers to search broadly on general expertise or zero right in to their exact specialties. So you'll have the tools to craft an appeal for your precise requirements. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 722 million members worldwide. Getting started is easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get your role in front of more qualified candidates. Manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined into one simple screen. And now you can do this all from your mobile device, no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. Visit linkedin.com slash pcper to get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash pcper to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions may apply. I have no idea what's going on with this next story, but it's going to be all you, Jeremy. We're going to talk about... Hey, can you, can you wait a second? Can I get a beer? Because yes, let go. me tell you. Because you don't beer. have the mini fridge anymore. I don't have the mini Josh, fridge. This is Josh. I I have to say I just actually 2020, sent, dude. 22. I sent 20, someone 20, out for 20. one. I you sent what? someone out for one. I like sent out someone out for one. No, around the corner and back to the Texting kitchen. The white. Oh, Josh, okay. you need Give you need beer. someone you can text. Do you have someone you can text? Oh, I can, no. but they will not deliver me a beer. Man, that's cold. That's hard. That's that's yeah. that's rude. Makes me cry at night. Okay. Often. All right. You take. Right, you well, take care. Josh of is going to go. We're going to take a brief intermission here. <laughs> Josh. That's just watch, Well, honestly, I thought we were still on Josh. the edit point. Josh's room. Oh, what's going on down here? Oh, we don't see that very often. Let's see. There's a, zoom and enhance. So yeah, there's a bunch of like uh, security encryption mm-hmm. stupidity coming up here. <laughs> you caught us, Josh. Why would you, you do that? You caught us. We were we were examining the room. Speaking of randomness, uh, Jeremy, nice. certifiably random. A new quantum Process. road to cheap encryption. By Jeremy. So, you know, you, you can't certify that a number is random, but you can certify that a process will create a random number. Now, and maybe people don't so understand what, the. The, the the reason or the importance of true randomness. If they're watching this podcast, it. I think they do. Okay. Yep. And this is what this is. It's random. Yep. Yeah. All right. So you, Sorry, you, you will read about people like, because the thing is, if you can predict someone and humans are predictable, uh, we eschew certain letters or number combinations for a variety of reasons, which are relatively predictable in large enough uh, quantities. Uh, processes and algorithms, same damn thing. They will sooner or later eventually start to form patterns. It 
seems weird, but a lot of higher math is. This is why you run into all sorts of people talking about uh, changing random mouse movements to generate an encryption code, uh, to use, uh, excuse me, j- random digits from an atomic clock with, you know, several thousand uh, digits of accuracy to try and create something that's truly random. For the most part, it it's, you know, good enough for government work, but it ain't really truly random. So with a lot of quantum processing, there is a way because this, a lot of the quantum events are non-deterministic. That's sort of, you know, inherent of being uh, able to be talked about as that, as opposed to, you know, just using it as a buzzword. And the problem with this is that you might've noticed, but uh, there's only a couple of systems out there with a few entangled qubits and they don't tend to be cheap to set up. So if you're really trying to set up some encryption, it, it's, you know, kind of freaking hard to be able to uh, do on the fly. So some researchers uh, have come up with not only a way to produce properly random strings of numbers, but to do it in a way that is actually not stupidly expensive and relatively available for everyone. Uh, I was headed out of the University of Oxford, and what they did was they took a, a photon generator, a light source, and sent it to a beam splitter, which is then connected to a pair of detectors. Now, one of the detectors is essentially disconnected. It's always going to be a zero. It's never going to detect a photon. The other one, there's a 50-50 chance that the photon sent to it will be reflected or absorbed and sent through to the detector. And so what they do is they've got a a sensor to say, you know, how many photons were shot at it because only one of them is going to get picked out of the, you know, however many are sent. So they've try and figure out, you know, within a certain threshold, you send too few photons, its chances are going to be negative. You send too many, chances are it's going to be positive. But within a certain threshold, there's no way of freaking knowing if that photon is going to go through or not. And so they use that to generate the uh, string of digits. And because, you know, we're talking the speed of light more or less minus the uh, time it takes to write, they're producing 8.05 gigabits per second. And of course you can even randomly pick uh, strings between that. So what they've figured out is with stuff that is more or less readily available for anyone, well, except for the room where you measure them in, you can create what is mathematically provable at this point. You know, it could be that uh, someone proves that there is actually a pattern later on, but uh, don't expect it tomorrow. An actual reason, reasonable way to create truly random strings of digits for encryption purposes with without having to go to the insane lengths that the original talking about uh, quantum encryption was. So it's, it's kind of nifty. The, and the, of course the best part about it is you don't need millions of dollars worth of equipment to be able to try and pull this off. Which is always a plus. Uh, a lot of that, let's say 99% of it was over my head. Uh, maybe Brett has some thoughts. Well, only in that it's tangentially related to the uh, next topic of security. And uh, Josh, I mean, turn off your audio. Yeah. Unless I mean, I'm sure Josh wants to chime in on this in that how 
the solar winds hack uh, affected him personally and his uh, well professional it touched business. me it touched me in a bad place it touched you in a in a bad way <laughs> josh is going to yeah. seek counseling solar winds in Show case me people on, don't understand. on your ports map where <laughs> solar where winds on the, touched me where on the, on the, where the network place. switch where on the network switch did solar winds touch oh, you oh <laughs> in this port right here it hurt yeah that was too real. Yeah. Brett speaks from a place of pain. It, you know what? I've been an essay for a really long time, and that's a sysadmin in case you know people weren't understanding. Anyway, mm-hmm. SolarWinds is a um, is a company that put it out there that they could handle your network administration, and it was a very convenient back end measure for touching literally all of your infrastructure, uh, how your switches were performing, how your network was performing, how your services were performing, outbound, inbound. Where your where your pain points were in normal operations, what was down, things were being monitored, but in order to accomplish that, this system needed to have a very high level of access. So, in a roundabout fashion, what the hackers did in order to compromise this was to go after what read some a plain text say, password. No, well, that that's possible, but you know, I'm just I'm going to jump to the the punchline. Where they ended up being able to compromise the system was in the distribution area, and that's in they were able to compromise the source space and get it into the distribution where people, uh, companies or corporations, U.S. governments were downloading updates. They were able to poison that tree and get a hack in that way, so that that. The bad actors, we think it might be Russia. We don't know. It looks like mm. it might have been. Uh, could get into the systems with a back door. And it actually that disguised some of their traffic as looking like w- the system was called Orion. So that it was actually looking like it was Orion's traffic. And as, as Sebastian just highlighted there, roughly potentially 18,000 customers were. Uh, Do you trust this update? Thing. Oh, gosh, yes. And amongst them were things like the U.S. Treasury, the, oh, yeah. the Department of Defense, uh, the White House. Just It just is just so nasty. This rivals and exceeds, I think, the hack that we traced back to China. That was the hack that co- exposed everybody who was a contractor that had a security clearance uh, back with the uh, – which uh, uh, not Homeland Security, but one of the, the – I can't remember the department name that right now, but that got hacked and everybody's information was leaked. I, I was actually affected because I have a I have a TSSA, and I got uh, forever. I have monitoring on my my personal identity because of the Chinese hack, so it affects people, you know, personally uh, as well. And that is uh, a problem that Josh can probably add some detail to how it affected him personally and his company. So yeah, take it away. Hmm. Wrong camera. What I have Hold something on. to say Sorry. about it. I guess. I mean, you were talking about it earlier about where it came to your front porch. Were you? Were you, uh, you know, luckily. Okay, so we we were panicking for a while. Luckily, and I don't want to give any information on the internet about what we're actually doing. Uh, we had a product from Solar Winds that was not apparently affected by this. They don't do a lot of the back administration of switches routers whatever and so it's more of a mm-hmm. monitoring situation for us and so luckily i mean we're still updating and watching after things and doing whatnot but yeah this when the, when this came across the wire 
It was like, oh, because the company I work for is not small anymore. I mean, it's it's they do some some pretty big things. And so, you know, we, we, we have had people snooping around our network and we're pretty proactive. I mean, you know, there there's a lot of bad actors out there. There's a lot of people with a lot more money than we have that, you know, it's their job to snoop into stuff. And so when we get something like this, it's it's like all hands on deck. We got to make sure that we're covered. I mean, we're we're small fries as compared to others, but we're still significant for an individual. So, yeah, this SolarWinds thing was scary, very scary. And I mean, you know, when 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 you're dealing with eleven, twelve remote offices. And you have a product that's that's pitched to you. It's like, hey, you can control all this stuff easily from a central area. Uh, you can monitor it. You can do all of this stuff. You just need to give us all your passwords. Yeah, or or install so these agents, agents on all yeah, these and, things. And, that and here, and, and, and we need this API in there. And yes, it's it's yeah. it's it it, it yeah. gets. I mean, you just have to balance out. You know, how much are we paying for this? How much easier it's going to be for our life? And how much we're willing to risk? Because Look, risk I, is I, becoming exactly. a huge factor. I mean, you know, the, the, the wanna, what, what is that? Wanna what virus? Wanna cry. Remember? Wanna cry. Wanna cry. And also the, all of the, the encrypt uh, everything demand. Exactly. Cryptocurrency. Exactly. And I mean, it's just, it is a massive headache for any SA. I mean, it's it's because you, do you disable gonna, all multi-threading and branch oh, to be safe, yeah. or do you just army? destroy performance? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the war, uh, cash hammer or a uh, row hammer type. Yeah, row hammer, hammer. Yeah, yeah. Spectre. It's, uh, yeah. Hey, but uh, you know, you, it would also help to actually secure your passwords and use more sophisticated passwords. Oh yeah, Jeremy was talking about this. This is actually a lot oh. easier to do than you wish it was. Yeah, and this what I mean by that is when you Git and GitHub themselves are great source code control managers and it is stupid easy to go like, "Oh, let me just check my stuff in." And if you're not careful, you will inadvertently end up checking in potentially configuration files that have buried passwords in them. And apparently they may have done this. Now, Jeremy, you wanted to say something about this a minute ago. I, I think I, I managed to get it in there, which is that, you know, literally their, their update servers password, which posted in clean text was solar winds, one, two, three, all lowercase. Easy for reps to remember because we all know that reps are not the brightest breed of human on the planet. I love how initially uh, the repo had been open for two to three weeks was the report, but then it was learned it had been that way since June of 2018. So, I mean, if your FTP server has a plain text password that's actually visible... Yeah, I've I've adopted several projects for people over the years, and I've had to point out to them, hey, you know, you you've checked in your database credentials and uh, or your your access credentials, and you might want to pull that back out of GitHub. That that seems like a mistake. 
It happens. And it's easy to do. Uh, do we want to beat the dead horse that is um, other media outlets jumping all over the hardware unboxed saga? I, th- I think the, the last thing that came out of this was that um, because they came out swinging so hard on you don't see the, the game world in the same way that we do, that people who do review an NVIDIA card with a DLSS game or an RTX-enabled game who do have positive things to say are now suspect because the review is now potentially tainted in that, oh, hey, is this reviewer just bending to the will of NVIDIA because they don't want to lose their their access or their support? And I, th- this was, I think someone had pointed out, maybe it was Gamers Nexus who said it, something along the lines of, hey, nice, uh, nice self-own NVIDIA on this one, that you put it out there in such a way that it now, positive press, looks suspicious right because there's this there's this assumption made then if you take this as oh this is how they treat everybody the reason this was surprising to me was that this is not typical at all and i kind of wonder if maybe this is if maybe there's more behind this but who knows it's but of course it's all it's all been reversed now we just haven't talked about it yet on the show but yeah brian sent more than one message to the hardware unbox guy saying we're it's, sorry. It's We're a really learning sorry. experience yeah. for all of us. I just and we all have like really shitty days. Either I think it, today actually is my anniversary, for, like my two year anniversary since I took over as editor in chief here. It was right. It was mid December twenty eighteen when I took it over from Ken, because Kenny. Ken was leaving for Intel. Followed yeah. Ryan over there along with Alan. Poor. And in two years. I have never had one of these conversations. I've never had one of these emails. And I thought, well, you know, is this because I'm just irrelevant? Is it because PC perspective is not looked on as, you know, being a strong enough voice that we need to try to lecture them on content? I don't think so. Because we're given access to all the same stuff. We're all on the same calls. There is, you're absolutely strongly encouraged to to benchmark ray trace games and use ray trace ray tracing benchmarks to test the 20 and 30 series cards. And I don't blame them for that. That's because that's that's what their push is with those products. There's a reason the 20 series was launched. It didn't have that much better performance than the 10 series, if any. It was all about ray tracing. And And the initial DLSS. Right. And if you weren't testing that, then they're like, why are we, you know, I can see it both ways. And I, I, this is coming from somebody who's not an NVIDIA apologist. This is somebody who was in management for a decade. Sometimes you take stuff down. I was in middle management, which is the worst kind, because you have to take stuff from up top. And then I had to get my managers together and tell them, this is what we're going to do. And I didn't always agree with it. But because my job was to get them on board, I had to try to play devil's advocate and say, well, I can see why they're doing this because this, this, and this. Or you have to try to find uh, some kind of motivation. And if it was really bad, I would just say, look, this sucks, but we have to do it. But I can see where... If if this is just a business and media is just an extension of PR and they only want to sample people who are going to give them good PR, then yeah, that that makes a strong case for journalism no longer being reliant on PR to get samples because that's who you deal well, with it, to get samples. And, it, and that's why it's concerning to people like us who rely on this relationship to yeah, and, and the freedom to be able to say what we need to say. I, okay, I'm, I'm not trying to pull any kind of rank here, but 
you know, I started this in 1997 and I've, I've developed relationships through multiple decades now. It's what, 23 years that I've actually been doing writing and I can kind of see where NVIDIA was coming from. I'm not trying to apologize for them, but yeah, if you've got a product that you've got, you know, you integrate all these tensor cores, you integrate all these standalone RTX units, you've got software that actually supports this, but you're sending cards off to somebody who refuses to test that for one reason or the other and kind of downplays it. It's like, you know, it's not needed for this. It, you know, Battlefield, this is not that great. Blah, 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 blah. I can understand them saying, you know what? You're not really with the program. You're not pushing what we're trying to do. I mean, I, I for whether right or wrong, and I'm not saying what BDR did was right, but I can understand where they're coming from. I mean, they're sending thousands and thousands of dollars worth of hardware to a guy and they're ignoring a part of it. It's like, you know, you're Ford and we're going to car analogies. Classic for tech press. But anyway, uh, you, you send a, a brand new Mustang to them and you're like, you know, we've upgraded the suspension We've done, uh, you know, the magneto ride uh, stuff that that automatically, you know, adjusts uh, how much dampening you get depending on conditions. And the guy only tests it doing a quarter mile against the Dodge SRT charger, and it loses. And they don't take it on the track at Willow Springs. They just do straight line tests. And that's that. I mean, if you're Ford, you're like, we've put all this technology on here that has taken it from a solid rear axle Mustang that handles okay around corners, but not real great. But we've redone it. We've, we've done independent suspension. We've actually gotten this up to a level that is right up there with with some of the low-end supercars from Europe, but you're only testing it in a straight line against something that is aimed right at straight line speed. And that's kind of what marketing is looking at. And and, and, and it's 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 not fair. It's not it's not exactly I mean it's it's ethical, but it's not because you have to kind of respect the vision of the people who are writing this stuff. But at the same time, if they're ignoring some of the advancements you're doing, it's like, when do I cut bait on these guys? I mean, we're, we're getting bad reviews. They're ignoring things that we have integrated in here that are big positives. But, you know, it's kind of the place for it because we also rely on the software ecosystem and that takes time to catch up as well. And so you've got a couple of seeded software pieces that show up the advantages here. And you can actually see the advantages, but it's not the entire world. It's not every single piece of software. So it's it's a balance in between your editorial and saying, hey, you know what? I see what they're doing. 
I see the advantages here. I see what they're trying to push, but we also need to take a look at here. And it's also, it's almost like these guys have like, okay, we're only going to focus here. And I mean, there's, there's validity there because those are the games that people play. But at the same and time, there's the future. And, we're and not sort of everybody hamstrung. goes road courses. Some people still like the quarter mile and that's all they like. Where's the balance? I don't know. It's because the balance comes in when the consumer is looking at different reviewers. That's where the balance comes in, in that people as reviewers are going to perhaps focus in on their specialty. And I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that, hey, one person wants to, the car analogy, their specialty is perhaps... Um, really dialing in and zeroing in on particular performance aspects of the car. And the consumer is going to know, maybe, maybe not, that this reviewer zeroes in on that bit of part of the technology uh, space and that it's up to the consumer to go sample different reviewers. And you know that happens. I mean, we're part of that you know, food chain of being sampled as we're just a voice that we hope people take into consideration when they're looking at different technology for them to adopt and, and purchase. And it, maybe it's the final stop for them. Maybe it's the only voice that they hear. I guess that's, that's the concern if, if you're only hearing one side of the story. But the hope is, is that, is that the consumer is sampling several different reviewers' perspectives and that they're making an informed decision. Maybe that's giving people too much credit. I don't know. But that, I guess yeah, maybe. The maybe. The I think the I mean, biggest problem we've probably is just, killed this one though, haven't we? We have. No, we have been killed. I haven't this, even this gotten horse. to my point yet. Go ahead, Jeremy. All right, I was just going to quickly point. say that uh, there is one way in which we're crippled for being able to benchmark ray tracing. When you think back to when this was originally released, one of the hugest things they showed was the effect this has on movie studios, the effect this has on graphic designers, the effect this has on people who's profession depends on being able to just completely and utterly change the entire lighting in a scene in the snap of a finger, as opposed to waiting 20 minutes to an hour for it to re-render. We're not set up to benchmark that sort of thing. Yes. If, if we had, you know, some of the higher end Adobe stuff, if we had some of the, the, the cinematic software that benefits from it on the business side, there is no question whatsoever that ray tracing is absolutely amazing. Instead, what we've got is a stable of 10, 12 games that have ray tracing to some extent from Battlefield uh, 5 to Cyberpunk. So there's only so much we can talk about as well. And, you know, frankly, from the gaming perspective, yeah, as I was saying earlier, it's spiffy, but it's not as life-changing as it would be the same as we run into trying to like, I'd love to benchmark an Epic processor. I have no freaking idea how I'd do it. I, I don't have, you know, the, the server depth to the, the depth of queue on a server to be able to handle that sort of thing. So sure you don't know how to do uh, you know, benchmark SQL databases that are, you know, millions of rows and columns. It's strange. I just don't have that lying around. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. SQL databases are not rows and columns, but anyway. Yeah. Well, he's not saying yeah. death threat to the developers yeah. either. So that's a good point. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. I will say it has, it has gotten a lot easier that. to benchmark because there are more standalone tools 
there's the there's, there's the DXR test in in uh, to to add to Port Royal, which already existed in 3D Mark. But that's platform agnostic. You had the platform agnostic test called Neon Noir that was like a CryEngine test, which was, again, it could run on AMD or NVIDIA. RTX-specific tests, standalone tests such as Bright Memory Infinite and uh, Boundary now exist. They're you know free to download. You can test your graphics cards with those. And then, of course, the games. And not every game has its own built-in benchmark that'll test ray tracing. I know Metro Exodus does. There's a rather... That's a modest example of, of retracing. But you can test DLSS, the you know Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Some of these things have tools that make it easier to do than others. With Cyberpunk, there's no way to do it in an automated fashion, which is something I've been kind of like, okay, what do they recommend? Okay, like driving in a car, that makes sense because you can drive down the same road back and forth and do a repeatable benchmark. But I struggle with stuff like that. Like I need something that's repeatable where I'm not just taking data where I had 54 frames per second, 72, and you know, 48. And then average those three out. Well, what about the next three runs? What about the yeah, next three but, runs after that? You can't discount the repeatability of it, and it's not really comparable. And I think it's fair for you not to include those sort of things because they have to be really repeatable, and uh, you, so, you can't. Yeah. Anyway, um, the, I think the, we're killing the, the audience. We are. We're having yeah. fun. The, the problem. Good talk. The Good biggest talk. problem <laughs> really is that PR is who samples. If we were talking directly to the engineers yeah. and they were all excited about a new feature and they talked to you about it and they got you excited about it, there's there's something about talking to the people who make it happen because mm-hmm. their enthusiasm can rub off on you and you want to experience this too versus sitting on a call with somebody from PR and they're showing you slides. And you're like, okay, this is just PR though. Like, you, I'm just trying to help you sell cards. Well, yes. These are the some detailed time. technical questions. You're asking, which we might be able to set up a one-on-one interview for you later on this week, but we're not qualified to answer those. Uh, yeah, I would say NVIDIA is yeah. better at stuff like that than others. True, but yeah, anyway, fair. You, regardless, you do, you do open the door to the gray area of you just are you just an extension for marketing? Are you an independent reviewer? And that's that's a whole other thing. <sighs> anyway, speaking of independence, yeah. um, I don't know why. No, speaking of dependence, I think. You stop with that, because it's, I know my name is coming up next. Yeah, because if you think about it, being dependent on having one of, what, like 20, 25 microcenters in the entire country. And by the way, there right. are 50 states, which means, and I think at least one state has, doesn't one state have two microcenters? Like I'm Texas? Sure about that. Yeah. Anyway. It, Maybe yeah, probably. Has For some reason, we're talking about microcenter, but this is a, an article Wyoming about a very... zero. Michigan has Canada. one, but it's it's two, two and a half hours away. Uh, some really modest looking power supply. Uh, why yeah, are we talking about this? Because you know, Jeremy, <laughs> forty dollars, and it's modular. Jeremy, why don't you explain, Jeremy? Why don't you explain? No, it's not modular at all. That's not modular. That, that's, that's oh wait, no, it's not. I thought these were modular cables, but no, they're, they're just not. the cables. They're not okay. It's they're attached. partially and I think sleeved. This illustrates an important point that I want to get out in front of, that not everything you buy at a micro center is a quality component, granted. Okay, Jeremy, okay. go ahead. <laughs> what does the FPS but review have to say about this? Oh, God. It's, that it's, it could it's suck so start much fun to read. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's read. Where do you like uh, ripple and noise? I think and... seven. Page seven, as I think, is where they really bring the hammer. Oh, but really? ripple but, and yeah. noise is like... So they normally do four tests. You'll notice there were only two on that page. Hmm. And one of them is labeled 50% load. 
Hmm. Yes, the, the, you really want to see high bars on the uh, the transient noise voltage. No, this does okay. not look yes. good at all. Um, let me just let me just fill in the backstory <laughs> as to why this is so damn funny. It's because obviously the Micro Center aspect of this is this is a house brand. I think. Oh, okay. For yes, for right. Micro. What is the brand? I don't even. And it's a solid Texas compared to Rosewill. New and it country. sucks. The oh, coral Rosewill looks apparently. so much better than this. <laughs> He's right. He's right. Solid He's right. gear. Somebody likes. Uh, brand so this is like 1998 power supply technology. No, yeah. Josh, I think you're giving it too much credit. I like how I they could yeah. they. Under their load testing category, they refer to it as a dumpster fire. Oh, that is and the Solid Gear like Neutron 550. I yeah. mean, that is exaggerating. There was only a bit of smoke. There was no fire. Okay. After 50% load. All right. I think uh, the best thing they said about it was the paint was applied evenly. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is mean. <laughs> oh, wow. It's that, not good. That seems, it's, it's, that, that seems harsh. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Okay. I read it. Not everything you buy at a Micro Center is going to be great. But, and this is a true story, and you guys are going to like roll your eyes so hard, I'm going to be able to hear it. When I was there this weekend. Oh, brother. Exactly. When oh, I was there this weekend, helping to build a friend's PC, and I bought one of the 5600Xs they had in stock. I just bought it. They had it because they had it and uh, built to help. Yeah, it's good. It's If you can get it, maybe you should go to your Micro Center yeah. and pick one up. And uh, bought that. And I had a great experience at the Micro Center. Bought a very inexpensive PC. Probably spent about seven, $800 on, on a fully fleshed out PC that's being built right now. Uh, the components went to somebody's house and they're building it right now. Great experience at Micro Center. Certain things are terrible. Bought a Red Dragon power supply, which I think is also a house brand, but doesn't seem to suck. Seems to work okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, don't don't buy the one that FSP, you know, looked at. But other stuff is fine. And sometimes the deals are great. Like uh, let's see, regular price in the fifty six hundred, no markup, two two eighty nine, two ninety nine, something like that. I highly recommend you visit your local micro center. Yeah, if anything, their CPUs are cheaper than retail. Yes. Sorry. You didn't have to buy a combo with the 5600X. You didn't have to get two pieces of memory that you will never install on anything. Nope. Bought a B550 MSI motherboard for 109. Um, Interestingly, Hmm. comparison metric of a 9900K is still 299 at micro center. Just as throwing it out there as a comparison, not that you should. Yes, 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 yes. Intel. And now for our next sponsor, Micro Center. Actually, no, but we are going to pause here for sponsor number two on the podcast this week. Thank you, Remote HQ. Remote HQ. It's like being in the same room. Right now, many employees and coworkers have to work from home or remotely. Remote HQ can get everyone working together again easily. Remote HQ is a high-security, enterprise-grade, collaborative workspace that empowers modern remote teams to work together in ways that are not possible with other tools. Remote HQ enables teams to work in co-op as if they were together in the same room. The system allows you to build up your own workspaces customized to each meeting or group with apps and layouts as you see fit. 
Members can work on documents or websites in real time, sharing control, and making changes on screen simultaneously. It's incredibly flexible for every meeting's unique needs and very engaging for the participants. In fact, at the end of a session, you can leave everything in place, save it, and pick up right where you left off when everyone attends the next session. Smart and a real time saver. There are controls, of course, for presenting, passing control of an app or layout section, even muting or blocking out users, which is better than real life sometimes. Create your own virtual office with Remote HQ with their no software download browser-based solution. Five minutes to get up and running by creating your workspace and inviting your team via email links. I would encourage you to try it. I introduced Remote HQ to one of my clients who is now adopting it as part of their remote learning system. Head over to remotehq.co slash pcper, that's .co slash pcper, for a free trial. When you're ready to launch your rooms, use offer code pcper for three months free. That's remotehq.co slash pcper. We're back. Thank you. Mm. Hey. And uh, XPG has joined the PCIe 4 crowd. This is solid state drives here. The one terabyte Gamix S50 Lite, but look at this, Silicon Motion SM2267. So not only is this PCIe 4, it's that new Silicon Motion controller, and this is not a Fizon drive. What can you tell us about this? And it's 140 journey? bucks. Really? For one terabyte, yeah. huh? Interesting. Yeah. It's now, not extremely fast. No. But it's got TLC and a RAM cache. Why isn't it yeah, faster than this? It's got cache. What's with the cache? Yes, tell us about the cache. Well, it's DDR4, um, I believe, from SK Hynix, but they didn't actually specify uh, how much. Oh. So, obviously, they've done... A little bit of cost cutting on it because it it's no brand new Western Digital drive, but then again, that one's almost a hundred dollars more. So don't bitch. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's a stupidly good deal for what you're never gonna. And honestly, you're not gonna notice the difference. I mean, the sequential reads of thirty five hundred versus seven thousand are going to mean very little to you unless you're Sebastian dealing with his podcast after the fact. In which case, <laughs> you know, it's it's actually probably worth it. What do you got there, Josh? What do you got there? Is that a Severin? I don't know. Which Might one is that? Severin. Is that the black uh, and gold or the gold on black? Four plus with the seven gigabytes per second reads. Oh, my. Five point nice. whatever gigabyte. No, not. You I've know, only got the slightly reading. older version. Wait a minute! You've yeah. got the black on gold, yeah. and you've got the gold on yeah. black. It's so different. Cool. That's hot. Why am I being left out of this? Are you guys actually buying this stuff, or you got like some? I, yeah, I bought this going? stuff, but anyway, oh, okay. you know, it looks like the, these are a good deal for. They're faster than the PCI 3.0. Yep. And VME cards for the most part, so you're paying a small premium over them, but you're paying less than the E16 base Fizon, which is. Five gigabytes per second reads, and what about a four gigabytes per second writes until you exhaust the the SLC? Um, so yeah, this is this is a nice balance in between. You know, we'd have to go into some 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 further uh, SSD uh, type testing, but at, at at you know from from ten thousand feet, it's it's priced appropriately for the performance you get. Versus even that first generation Fizon. 
I mean, they're significantly slower than the second generation Fison and the first generation of the WD850 uh, drives. What is the SN850? Right? Yeah, the WD Black SN850 yeah. is the new one. Yeah. yeah. The new Gen and, 4. Uh, Intel announced uh, Gen 4 stuff, didn't they? Today. Did they? Well, yeah, it's all data center. Because they're kind of out of the consumer game. Yeah, Optane yeah. stuff. Which is Yeah, there's silly. a brand new Optane now, too. Silly That fast. you can't buy. It's going to be in 2021, but yeah, silly, silly fast. I wonder if Alan worked on that. Yeah, I wonder. Mm. And speaking of anyway. things that Alan, well, actually, speaking of things Alan did not work on, another subpar SSD review. We've moved on to the reviews portion of our show. And we're going to talk about an SSD review that I put up. Why am I, why is it not on my screen? Here we go. Switching over. The WD Blue SN550. Now, this is a considerably lower performer than the WD SN750 or 850. This is from the WD Blue line. And if you have shopped around for inexpensive SSDs, you'd have seen some of the blues are actually SATA drives. And then there was an SN500 that was a rather low performer that was a PCIe NVMe drive. And this replaces it, the SN550. And look at the card here. The... There are only two chips here. They left some space. There's some space between the two. You have NAND and you have controller up here. I'll give you a better they, look. They, they left room for the sticker. There's a sticker in between that's not covering any devices here. Normally the sticker is over Isn't like various chips. How dense NAND has become that this <laughs> yes. is one terabyte, two, yeah, it's a terabyte, and one, one on the front, chip. one on the back. Right, one controller. Well, chip, the two one the two terabyte might have one on the back. There's nothing on the back of this card. Oh yeah. wow, it's wow. one. Yeah, wow. this one's not a molar. It's literally chip. one. It's one one terabyte ninety six layer NAND uh, did, package. Did it come with an at, aluminum wrapper that you no. unwrapped and then <laughs> popped into your mouth? At least you can see by the uh, <laughs> by the connection key that it is NVMe. Yes. It's NVMe. Oh, yeah. You can see this controller here. It's actually a SanDisk branded controller, but of course, Western oh. own SanDisk. They own that brand. Um, and then here's the NAND, which is I think it's so far the, away. Yeah, long anyway. what, what Yeah, you think the performance improvement they could have just they put it closer? closer. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The two of you, literally. <laughs> I know. What kind of performance enhancement would there be if Jeremy and Josh were in the same room during their <laughs> you just heard the it. show? You just heard it. <laughs> that would be, be a lot of liquor drinking. Yep, more than more than would, now. You would raid my pappies, and it would be grim. <laughs> okay, so that's <laughs> okay. I'd have some scotch for you. All right. I uh, speaking of, can we please look at Jeremy's shirt here? I've noticed. Doesn't look at that malt whiskey. Malt instead of whiskey in the style of what? Walt Disney. Just imagine audio listeners. The Walt Disney logo with the signature underneath in the Magic Kingdom. Instead, a series of, of uh, liquor bottles and then malt whiskey in the same font. It's very clever. Nice. I appreciated that. Um, moving quickly through this review of sorts, if you could call it that. How did that, it perform, though? It performed surprisingly well. Uh, uh, Serve the Home uh, reviewed this over the summer, and I read, read that review, and they talked about this device having some internal SRAM in the controller 
That seems to have been the key, because we've seen this 96-layer NAND before, and for some reason, this DRAM-less drive, this is a DRAM-less drive. There is no RAM. There was just the controller and the, the NAND. Surprisingly good performance. We're talking, like, just straight line. We're talking 2,400. Actually exceeded that slightly. It was rated at 2,400 uh, megabytes per second and 1,950 on writes, and I got 2448 in 1970. But that's... So you're saying this is faster than the Intel 660p. Oh, yeah. And I don't I think I have a 660p. I found an old Intel 760p, a 500 gigabyte. And I could not believe how slow it was. I'd forgotten that thing was... It was faster than SATA, but not by a whole heck of a lot. Because we're talking 800... But it was pretty consistent. It is very consistent. And actually very good yeah. at lower Q depths, not surprisingly, but... Uh, we're talking like in straight line at various QDEPs here. We'll just do QDEP 4. 817 megabytes per second for that Intel 760. An inexpensive Lexar NM600, which is a DRAM-less drive, 2082. This drive, 2434 at QD4. And then the Kingston KC2000 that I tested it against, also one terabyte, was uh, 3250 megabytes per second at both QDEP uh, 4 and 8. But this is one of those things where if you actually start looking at the random performance, you'll see the difference. Like, this drive, the new SN550, had, in my brief testing, both the highest QDEP 8 performance and the lowest QDEP 1 performance. So the, if it was only allowed to use one channel... If you weren't saturating the controller and using multiple channels like you can at higher Q-depths, it was a lower-performing drive. And it did very well when it was able to work at, at higher Q-depths, as every drive will. They always have higher performance at higher Q-depths, but low Q-depth performance is kind of... It, it's a way to tell how well it's going to handle certain types of workloads. You're typically only working in lower Q-depth for certain you know, types of jobs. And we're not doing any kind of data center testing or anything here, but... Like Intel typically does fairly well at lower Q-depths. It all depends on how you optimize, how you actually uh, approach the design. Some of them work better in straight lines, and some of them work better at low Q-depths. Uh, anyway, uh, the can, IOPS. Can we talk about... Yes. Storage. No, 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 I don't want to talk about that. I'm talking about Q-depths. Okay. It's counterproductive. But anyway, <clears throat> yes, the leaps and bounds we've seen in the five years. I mean, when the original Intel uh, drive that Alan was made famous for came out, and we, no, I think it was SN80 or something. X25M. Whatever. Oh, 25M. There you go. Nice. My brain is mush. I know the feeling. How far we've come, even with these low-cost NVMe drives. I mean, it's 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 really just stunning, especially considering spinning disks are still a thing. Which is crazy. I mean, we so don't know my how good drive. we have it. That's essentially what I'm trying to say. We don't know how no. good we have it. Okay. Yes, I agree. These drives. But you know what? We need fast. more, 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 more. We it's not good enough that they're faster than oh my gosh. spinning rust. You know what? I want a four terabyte game drive NVMe so badly, but I'm not willing to pay eight hundred dollars 
Yeah, no, it'll right. come down. With look with with drives Eventually. like this, if you can fit one terabyte into one package like that, it's going to be so mm-hmm. much less expensive to get a four terabyte drive just within the next year or so. We would think. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, we saw that would be cheap practically the, the, speaking. The, 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 that's that's not opportunistic pricing. They're they're going to price that very high. Well, until well, the ten now. terabytes come out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, eights, will be the good. eights will push the fours down. The sixteens will push the eights down. It just, may take until twenty twenty three, but we're gonna yeah. get there. Yeah. It just look. It, this tells a story. The this if you're looking at IOPS four K read uh, the lowest numbers here at QD one, which is the standard four K test, and then if you move up to QD four, it catches up with that Lexar drive. It catches up with the Kingston drive, mostly. And then if you move up to QD 16, you're ahead. So this had better high QDEPTH performance than even this really good Kingston KC 2000 one terabyte drive. So it, it's this so that controller, SMI controller is, is a next generation controller, but it's low cost. Yes. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, and speaking of costs, so I should just get that out of the way and move on. This is a $110 drive at one terabyte. So you're a little over that 10 cents per gigabyte right. threshold. And That's awesome. The only problem for it right now, really, as far as Western Digital's product stack goes, is the SN750, which is a fantastic drive. Is only... Is it still selling for this? Yeah, it's it's 135 you know, there, there on Amazon. workloads that the SN750 really, really... Craps it pants on really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I, I would be curious. That? I mean, I mean, they're. I can't remember exactly which one, but uh, there was something about the SN750 that it do you, was. Do you think the 850 that you just got would be similar in performance? You could sort of you know, elicit I've, that I've bad, seen bad behavior. Use and of course, you know, I don't have an eidetic memory, but the SN850 fixes that of the from oh. the 750. Yeah. And so overall, it's a much, much, much better drive, including, you know, up to one million IOPS um, and a lot of bandwidth. And they did fix some of those corner cases that the SN750 just kind of dropped on its face. Hmm. Yeah, just the mainstream testing that that Jim did when the SN750 came out did not, I mean, there weren't any issues that i can remember him talking about from testing because that was the second was gen. about it there was yeah. a first and second gen version of it like there was another mm-hmm. product and then the sn 750 the wd black uh, yeah there was a little bit of a naming nightmare going yeah, on yeah because yeah there yeah, is a 750 point. there's also a second gen which is the one that we were sampled at ces a couple years ago and that one had excellent performance across the board. I don't know if he did IOPS. Let's see, random. This is a high Q depth, high thread count, though. It's There's IOPS. There we go. Here's Q depth one, one thread, random 4K. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's below a Samsung. It depends. Samsung well, better than still a 970. Yeah. They, they were trading blows with Samsung in, in some of these tests, which had kind mm-hmm. of been the gold standard for a long time and still is right now. I mean, I think the 980 pro is about as good as it gets right now, but, uh, it's very expensive. Um, yeah. Speaking of very expensive, very quickly, I will go through like, let's do two minutes on this. Another add in board. Um, or actually I think this is the first add in review. I'm I've not going to interrupt you. I'm not going to interrupt you. Go ahead. 
I'm not going to interrupt you right here. Not interrupting. <laughs> Is this what not interrupting sounds like? Okay. Silent well, uh, we did. Okay, I'm not sure what that was. Very quickly, Sapphire, Nitro Plus. If you're familiar with Sapphire's graphics cards, they have the Pulse series. They have the Nitro Plus series. These are higher-end cards. It has a huge triple fan cooler on it. It has RGBs on it. It has a like, lighted logo. It has a lighted RGB strip on the top, ARGB, and a lighted logo on the back plate. This is not an inexpensive card. It is apparently a $700 version of the RX 6800, the non-XT version of the 6800. By the way, that's a premium of how much over 120 dollars? One hundred twenty dollars premium. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so I don't know if that's actually correct because uh, I think Tech Power Up referenced it at six forty, but didn't have a review. I think they were just I don't know if they were estimating or what, but the only listing I can find for this is uh, at six ninety nine. So, and here it is uh, pictured next to a plant. By the way. Uh, if you're watching the video, yeah, and it, this has a slight clock speed increase over a stock card. It has. I don't the know, Brett. You got something to say about that picture? I think there's some uh, improvements you could make on it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's go back <laughs> to that plant picture. The plant I'm photo. All right, hold on. Every audio listeners I'm, love this. You know uh, what? Um, I think the red is a little bit too intense. Oh, focus. You maybe you should have dialed. Well, he's got a bokeh going on, so I approve of that. Uh, his depth of field is actually pretty reasonable in that he's got the card mm. tilted and actually the front fan and the back fan are actually fairly in focus. The front fan's a little bit, Wait, so your depth of field is, is the only like... spinning? It looks like it is. It's That's just a reflection. It certainly does. It's, like it it's is. a bit of a reflection to it, um, but your red is a little bit too... Like, you've delved into the unrealistic red zone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that was intentional. That was an artistic choice, Brett, but let's move on. Um, I did intentionally. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna think about this for the rest of the night. I did intentionally go crazy. You know with what? The I, I can saturation. tell that picture was photoshopped by the quality of the pixels of that red. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. All I did was increase mm-hmm. saturation by like eighty percent. Okay. <laughs> only yeah, only story. eighty percent. It's almost double I'm saturation not, of the original photo. I'm not sure crazy. that we can. I'm believe. not lying. I'm, yeah. I, it's I'm not, this I'm is not sure we can believe anything. Here. We can believe anything past that point. It's just Lightroom. I didn't <laughs> okay, someone put way too much effort on that backplate. That's a look how busy this backplate is. And you still have this it pass-through is area. Extremely busy. But you know what? It looks what's, really cool when the light the, is on. The holes in the like the upper left hand corner. It's like, why are they there? What do you mean? It, those what passing are, air through no, or something. No. Look, Brett, that's solid boards. Okay, okay, go, yeah, back, yeah. go back, go back, go back to that previous picture. Okay. Let's talk about the capacitors on the back. Yeah, I know. That. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, oh, that's well, nuts. Count Let's count them together. That's... Unlike an NVIDIA right. card where you can One, do that. two, more we than two. We can do that. six Josh, big ones. You've got Josh, is that more than the nine on the back of your 3080? You've got like nine, right? Nine? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, someone vomited capacitors on that and mm-hmm. i approve yeah. well that's right. amd's chip but anyway uh yeah yeah so anyway it's a big card two eight pin connectors of course that's the same as the stock i'm sorry but those standard eight card. pin connectors just want yes, to they are standard three. um you have okay. some i think you Heat have pipes. argb out on this or no you control that through the tricks software sapphire has a software app called tricks with two yep. x's 
Um, anyway, there's three. The, another thing about the design, there's a BIOS selector switch. So if you do a lot of heavy overclocking, that's always nice to have because you can rescue yourself by switching over to the other BIOS. There's a performance and a quiet mode. It alters the fan curves. Um, performance. Uh, I'm not going to get too heavy into this because it's a 6800. It is slightly faster than our AMD-provided reference card. Oh. The best example of this was Dirt 5, where at both 1440 and 4K, it offered 3 FPS better performance on average. This is an average of 3 runs of each card. We're talking 98.10 frames per second with the reference card, and 101.84, and this is at 10... not 10... 1440 Ultra in Dirt 5, so... A little free performance boost there. Well, not free, because the card is $100 more than a reference card. But you can't buy any of them anyway. So what does it matter? Uh, I, I think this is a point that you should be making over and over again. That I do. Uh, this is all fantasy. I said... But you do. In, the, in your write-up, you do. Right, in the write-up, I said, look, we could talk about the price, but that's fantasy right now. And here is a very busy graph to study. This is a great graph. You should explain this one. It's like, okay, here's a bunch of GPU-Z logging dumped into one graph. So at the top here... The white color line is the clocks. And this is through 10 Steady. iterations of Metro Exodus benchmark at 4K high. And clocks were about 2250, a little bit higher than that, hitting 2300, almost hitting 2300, 2250-ish. And then you have the fan. You can see how the fan kind of rises up and then lowers itself and hits like 1250 to, let's see, it ends up... it, it Jumps up to 1,550, and then it drops back down to the 1,200s. It's a very quiet card under sustained load because of this behavior that I noticed. And it was pulling cards rated at 290 watts. GPU-Z does not report all of the different um, card power numbers that you need. It does GPU chip power draw for AMD. It doesn't do, like, VRM and memory. So I should have done wall power on this, but I didn't. Hotspot and temperature numbers. I did a quick breakdown so because this chart is incomprehensible. GPU clocks topped out at 2269. GPU chip power topped out at 219 watts, which means VRM and memory weren't counted because this is like a 290 watt card. GPU temps hit 75C in a 21C room. GPU hotspot hit 90. Compare that to our reference card that's two degrees better under load. But the reason it wasn't better than that is that the fan wanted to adjust itself down to the 1200 range, 1200 RPM range, where if you were to set it up higher, obviously you get a lot better temps. Sound though, this is where that last Nitro Plus I tested way back in, I guess it was last year, the 5700 XT Nitro Plus. That thing was the quietest GPU I think I'd ever tested. And this one is similar, 33.2 dBA when I tested during those Metro Exodus runs. This was is it the, even on? Yeah, this is with the <laughs> SPL meter 12 inches away from the leading edge of the card. That's, that's like quieter than my room. Unfortunately, it is quiet enough to hear electrical component noise on the card, hmm. which is, hmm. you know, it's it's something that affects these AMD GPUs. It does. So it doesn't that, matter which vendor it is. Is that a nicer way of saying coil wine? I don't, I don't call it coil wine because it doesn't sound like that to me. I've heard coil really? wine... What? What does it? What does it sound like? This sounds like uh, kind of a grinding, chirping sound. That's weird. Mm. See so now, yeah, if you recorded this, before. our audio listeners could actually help. 
right there. It's like yep. like dial-up noises. Really? Mixed dial-up noises. Uh, huh. And if you are in a menu where it has like no frame cap, you'll hear a squeal. Like it'll start to whine. Like if you think about uh, regular coil whine, yeah, yeah, like Unigen Heaven benchmark, where when you exit and it shows you everybody who made the benchmark, that thing has always made every card scream. Yeah. And that that closing screen in that benchmark, I did run it and it was ridiculous. Like it just starts to shriek and you just have to hit the escape key to make that screen go away. But there's, that's not the only card that does that. Anyway, very, very quiet. If I crank the sound of of cutting down a tree in the forest. Yeah, it's fine. Because it's very quiet. It just shrieks. It's It's very quiet. Hardly hear it. Which makes you want to cut down more trees. Uh, If you could just. If the tree would just fall. Let me just wrap this up. If you crank the fans up to 50%, I did this in the Radeon software. I changed the fan profiles. It went up to 39.3 decibels, which is still really quiet. So I like the idea of just cranking up the fans anyway so the card runs cooler. But that was it was up to about 58 decibels when I cranked them up to 75%, which is never going to happen in regular use unless you do it manually. And the end... The conclusion here is basically, and here's that nice picture of the, look at the back plate lighting in effect. I like this picture. I like it because you you brought in the cooler from a previous review. It's the intense reds. I like them this time. I like the, my the red lighting extensions across here. the top. Yeah, I like the lighting across the top, that sort of yellowish tinge. Mm-hmm. And I actually mm-hmm. like the sort of pixelization I'm getting in the lower right-hand corner below the Radeon. It, it's like giving me that sort of gritty sense. It's this is a Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven picture. That was right what, that was what I was going for. Uh, and by the way, you if know, you want to know how to make this photo it. yourself at home, take a regular photo, increase mm-hmm. the saturation by about seventy five percent, and mm-hmm. then in Lightroom increase uh, clarity by mm-hmm. about fifty percent. And you'll get and this. Then dunk it in water. And then dunk add about water. a twenty percent vignette. Um, oh yeah, to the outside edges. You know what? I wouldn't have caught that unless you'd said it. Yeah, there's a vignette in effect there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's it's expensive, but you can't buy it anyway, so who cares? But I, I liked the card. It's very quiet. It's a little bit higher performing than a reference card. If you're out shopping and this is available, you're not going to be disappointed by it. And it, it's the aesthetics depend on your personal preferences, obviously. But this is, I called it uh, ARGB infused. Uh, and, and frankly, availability is going to really trump a lot of other aspects of, of cards, right? At this particular moment, if you're really shopping right now, unless you want to wait, just wait. What do you mean want? Maybe in February. I'm sorry, ah. did I say want? I meant need with a with an insatiable need. desire. Speaking of need. Before moving on to one yes. other thing. Yes. What are the books behind you, Sebastian? This is the Oxford uh, Sherlock Holmes. Really? Ah, nice. So we have... Just pull those out here. This is A Study in Scarlet, mm-hmm. as you can see. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the 1990, I believe it's the first printing. No, 1993. No, it wouldn't have been the first printing. Well, uh, yeah, the first yeah. Oxford... <laughs> the first Oxford uh, Sherlock Holmes printing. Anyway. When, when yeah, will there be a, very, very a nice, reading? Very nice. Will there be a reading eventually? Or? I have never been satisfied with my Sherlock Holmes voice. I think the best I've ever heard was on BBC Radio. 
and I'm forgetting his name right now. Jeremy but Brett. Jeremy Brett's yeah. very good, and I yeah. love those. Basil. Basil Rathbone. Basil's the best. I enjoy Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone rapid, was the best. His his clipped rapid delivery of Holmes was, was good. Staccato delivery. Yes. Anyway, but, yeah. I can't remember yeah, the guy who did it on BBC along. Radio. Sorry, hey. that was 30 seconds. We got to talk about other things. We got to talk about picks Josh, of the week. great ask. Great ask, Josh. I, I do have a great ass. That's not what I said, but sure. Okay. All right. And now, Josh. Josh's sweet ass. God. I used a cheese grater ass. Okay, I'm cry. I don't know what's happening. I'm crying. We've lost control. I don't even know. I'm crying. I don't you even know what happened. Control. Lost? I, I never had any control. Exactly. I'm just a uh, Am I first on the, the pick of the week? Yeah, you. I don't know. You are. Take Here, the first not? pick. Take the first pick and run with it. Okay, uh, you know what? The, this this new came, the, the, this 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 new TV came out uh, only a few weeks ago, and it's available now. And it's a 55 inch LG OLED for only thirteen hundred bucks, and it looks like it's a pretty solid thing. 120 hertz native, right? Mm. Um, OLED, G Sync, and FreeSync. Oh. And uh, yeah, it uh, it's tempting for that price, especially Dolby if you want to your toes into OLED. You will I'd rather never... have a sixty-five, but fifty-five is not bad. Just sit closer. Sit closer to the fifty-five. Yeah, it's just well, I mean, I sit close yeah. anyway. I'm with the whole. You know, the Expanse was released today. I might need to order this TV yeah, just so that season. I can. Continue to watch the expanse. I'm I sure just, that you can yeah, get but this, this TV. This is one of the cheapest time. of the big, solid OLEDs that I've seen yet. It's a new yeah. model. Yeah. And, no. Uh, Sebastian, cool. despite your obvious slight, which I heard, what slight? What you cannot. About? You cannot get this cheaper at Micro Center right now. It's oh, actually yeah. cheaper at new. Uh, well, it's I think LG sets the pricing anyway. for authorized resellers like Samsung does. So, Good point. And this Good is, point. I brought this up a while back. Their their 55-inch OLEDs have been selling for under 1400 Like 1350 was the last time I saw them on sale. This is 1296 It's a good price. That is cheaper than their 48-inch, which is 1500 So unless you need the smaller size for some reason, I believe this has pretty much the same feature set. If it does have the high refresh, because I have an OLED TV. I bought it back in 2016. It's the B6 OLED from LG and it's only 60 hertz. So what's what size yeah, do you this have? Is, this is 2080. I paid three grand for that Ouch. TV and that was significantly your wife, discounted. Your wife should kill you. She kill approved you. the purchase. Uh huh. She and still I, should kill you. And before right. she could yeah. change her mind, I was out the door and driving to <laughs> Indiana right. to buy yep. this thing. Yeah. From Let's compare that to the HH Greg, which subsequently went out of business. They did, I know. But so I couldn't return that. To yeah, the, no, no, no. The, this is HDR. This is this is HDR ten and Dolby you know, Vision. Sure, okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what it's, I was looking for. It's it's it is there. It's it has all that, the bells and whistles. It does, and it's twelve hundred bucks. Just do it. You'll never regret it. Josh, oh, I, oh, that, I read wait, it already. 
With that voice, you've almost convinced me. You know what? What I'm going to do is, uh, for me personally, I'm going to wait until the end of January and check the price on this. Oh, yeah. after Christmas. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, That's the 2022 smart. model will be out. drop down, and they have, a, they have the Q1 panic. Mm. of when you want to buy stuff and they're like okay this mm. isn't selling enough let's drop the price down because nobody buying in q1 and we got to move stuff because we've got let's, to start raising the prices uh, in q2 when people start buying stuff again after the school year yeah yeah let's, no. let's drop trial on this <laughs> <sighs> that's an unfortunate yeah. choice of words uh jeremy yeah. has our next i didn't pick. even i didn't even say it as far as, as far as you know jeremy save us are you a Canadian? Did, did you find yourself buying Microsoft software in, you know, the last uh, couple of years, specifically between December 23rd, 1998 and March 11th, 2010? Not just operating systems and not just OEM operating systems, but also a machine attached to it or Office or any of the other wonderful products that Redmond offers you because Canada's finally gotten a class action lawsuit and you can now make a claim on what is one of the shadiest freaking looking websites I have seen in a long time, but is actually legit and uh, try and get a little bit of money back from the uh, overcharging that Microsoft did to us at that time. They've also decided that, well, chances are you didn't keep your receipts from 15 years ago and they aren't really demanding much in the way of proof that you've bought it. So, you know, give it a shot. I'm I'm due for about $26 myself. I'm going to put that towards uh, some beer, I think. So, yeah, give it a shot. You in the U.S., you already had your shot a couple of years back, and it, you actually probably got more than we did. But, hey, it's it's worth looking into if you're from Canada. And, you know, yeah, you're a Microsoft addict. It's like two hours of minimum wage. So just do it. Take the mm -hmm. 15 minutes. Jeremy, I noticed they took the typical out of paying out, but denying all wrongdoing. Correct. Hmm. Upstanding of them. Right. I think uh, they just found some spare change in the couch somewhere and like, nah, fine. Give it to them. Pretty much. Brett, you Moving. have our final pick. Well, I, I'll throw something I do. out there, but yeah, the final. I do. You should throw something out there, Sebastian. I'll, really I'll, I will throw out my recommendation for uh, listening to the BBC radio Sherlock Holmes. But yes, continue. Hey, that would be great. So um, I've been moving my headset back and forth between my main computer here in front of me and the games computer that I've been playing around with. And I'm like, ah, I need another set of headphones to move back and forth. And so you went to an Apple store or OWC, I did didn't not. You? I did not, but I will eventually. We'll be able to tease me about that at some other point. Um, but this is a Mac-related company, MacSales.com, that I get an email from, and I happen to notice partway down a set of headphones that will plug into a Mac or a PC if you have a headphone jack. That is, and it's an and audio. Here they Technica. are. Here they are. Um, oh, stop! Stop! Oh, okay. I did oh, not. Sorry, no. sorry. You know what? You know what? You're gonna get it. You're gonna get a turd in the email. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. 
Audio Technica Technica. Yeah, it's uh, I'm wearing a set of Audio Technicas now. I uh, I do like them. This is a different set of Audio Technicas, the ATH AD 900X, which is normally priced close to two hundred dollars, one sixty, one eighty, sixty nine. Uh, nice. I know. Cheap. Josh, nice. out loud, in all together now, sixty nine ninety nine. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. I, I've never though. understood what that meant, but I, I don't. Well, I probably can, don't want. To we can explain anyway. it with some photographs later. No, um, no, no. <laughs> gonna, what I'm gonna... saying here, what I'm saying here, is this is a reasonably good deal. The only fallback on on these, or the drawback on these, might be the head support system has not received universally rave reviews. Apparently, it depends on the shape of your head. The head support system on these is amazing. It's basically unless flawless. It's, unless it's not. Now these, Wait, unless you're telling me. No, I have the eighty seven hundred X's, and I've used those for. So, years. do you have like the the pair, the wings that sort of come up yeah. from the edges? Yeah. Okay, and and what do you think of them? They're great. They're the most comfortable headphones I own. So you would wholeheartedly recommend these ATH not AD nine hundred X's? These have these are just a slight. I don't know if it's driver matching or what's the difference between the eight the nine hundred and the sound quality. Of these are basically reviewed that it's very high quality and but they're open air so remember that right yeah these are everybody around you will hear if you're using any of these absolutely. open air absolutely 800 800 the the they, they're interesting the design is interesting they have a slightly angled driver mm-hmm. so it's not just um what is the actual term for it? When you're listening with headphones, it's just not directly stereo. penetrate your ears, but it doesn't. Uh, sneaks in through Instead the of it side. directly driving sound into your ears and creating a binaural sound, it actually sounds like front stereo because they're angled. Mm-hmm. But they're very wide, open-sounding headphones. They're almost like sitting in a room and listening very to those airy. bookshelf speakers. Yes, very but, airy. But the bass is is good still. It doesn't. The bass doesn't leak out. It's still very tight, very good. It's not muddy. It's controlled, but it is not as extended as a lot of better like closed back closed would closed be. back yeah. headphone would be. Will be if you're a bass head, you bass. get the closed back. If you like right. the airy and the sound staging and all that stuff, then you get the open back. But or you occasionally get people trying to talk to you around you, then you may yeah. want an open back. Uh, I can wear Nobody these over both ears oh, and hear on. everything that's going on. I have no idea what they're talking yeah. about, Josh. Uh, what? Nobody has <laughs> no idea what they're talking about. We're going to talk Six, about the colors. $69 is cheap. The cheapest I yeah. think I ever found, the 700s, was about 90 on Amazon at one point. But And these are the 900s. They right. do have it's a 1,000 like, series. But I these don't are the nine hundred. What series. the difference between the seven hundred and the nine hundred is? It's the same. I don't driver. know what the difference between the nine hundred and the thousand series is. But these drivers look very high quality. If you're in the market at all, I, I suggest you try them out. Yeah, I mean, because for sixty nine dollars. I mean, exactly. Just buy them to resell at that price. I mean, come on. Because you can sell them. You can sell them for one hundred and twenty. Yeah. Oh, here comes Josh. Anyway, this is a, this is a nice this is a nice fat pick on my part. So go take a look. Mm-hmm. By the way, I looked it up it and it was smell like sixty nine. <laughs> okay, Josh, why doesn't smell like success either? No. On that Can note, go on? everybody, please tune in next week. Wait, no, where did don't you put tune the... next week? Don't Josh, tune where did you put week. the comma? Where did you put the comma in that sentence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Please hey, stop you know what? Just press, the, just press the button. Yours is making Jay sound press. too. And I'm not I did that on purpose. It. I did it on purpose. Look, Look just, I haven't slapped just yet. Create. And guess what? I didn't hear dude, that. You, if you dude, just, you're a slapper. If you just. You're totally a slapper. It, because this is a capacitive touch area on the top of this microphone, as you can see here. If I just gently, if I just, you know what? I real okay. Stop doing the Josh look, and start paying attention to how you're slapping the microphone, because you do it with authority. You might as well get the the mirrored sunglasses on there, mm-hmm. little badge. Yeah. That's all. That's that's my note. Respect my note for you, Brett, as producer of the show. I I would like to hear a little less slapping of the microphone. Hey, Brett, I still like you though. Do you know why? As as Jeremy types away, because he, well, he yeah, signs I mean, the I'm checks. I'm just sort of trying to block all of you out right oh, now. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs>